Hello and welcome. This is Couples Counseling for Parents, a show about couple relationships, how they work, why they don't, and what you can do to fix what's broken. Here are parents. Our dad, Dr. Stephen Mitchell, and our mom, Ann Mitchell. Hello, and thanks for joining us today on Couples Counseling for Parents. I'm Dr. Stephen Mitchell. I'm Erin Mitchell. And on today's episode, we're going to talk about what we call the cycle of not enough that occurs in parenting partner relationships. It's already a daunting title of a cycle. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it seems foreboding uh, for sure. I wonder if it's already clear, but go ahead. Um, yeah. So what, what do we mean by the cycle of not enough? Um, and so it might be helpful to just uh, give an example. Case study. A case study of a, of a potential uh, couple um, to, to see if it makes sense for you. Um, and so here's, here's the case example. Um, Jean is a mom that currently is staying at home with her six-month-old baby, four-year-old toddler, and seven-year-old. Her typical day uh, feels full of activity and managing chaos. She loves being at home with the kids, but also feels like she's on overload. She's nursing. She's taking care of the house. She's uh, the family scheduler. She prepares meals. She cleans the house. She takes the kids to school. She has sporting events to go to. She is giving a lot physically, mentally, and emotionally. And a lot of days, she just doesn't feel like there's enough of her to go around. And she just wants someone to give to her. I think that's very relatable. (laughs) Potentially, potentially, yes. Um, uh, Let's let's look at Gina's partner. Um, So Sean. Sean is Gina's husband, and he's a great dad. Uh, He works hard to provide. He's involved. He helps around the house. He spends all of his time either at work or with the family trying to create a fun, connected family experience. He loves Gina. He sees how hard she's working, and he tries hard to to work hard as well to let her know that she's appreciated. I think that is also very relatable. I I think it is too. That feels relatable. Um, You know, even in my own experience, I would say. Um, So, you know, where, where does this leave Sean and Gina? You know, they're, they're great parents. They're giving everything that they have. And at the same time, they feel like there's very little time for one another. Um, A lot of times, you know, how this gets communicated is that uh, Gina doesn't feel Sean is giving her enough of what she needs, Uh, whether that's time, affection, affirmation, love, you know, you you kind of fill in the blank. Um, And Sean feels like he's not doing enough to make Gina happy. If I can interject there. Yes, please do. So I feel like we see a version of Sean and Gina in the couples we get to meet with. Every day. Yes. And I would say that I think the way you've described that is spot on, except I think what Gina feels like, first of all, I'm going to start with the beginning of what happened. I don't think this gets communicated. You said how this gets communicated. I think stats show, and I don't mean our stats, I mean like global research stats show that it takes six years of a couple feeling this way before they even start to... And overtly, th- explicitly communicate about this. And I think that's it. It it feels the this way this way. gets felt. Yes, um, is that Gina isn't feeling like she's being loved? That she she doesn't get 
what she's wanting relationally mm-hmm. um, from Sean. And I think what Sean feels, you said, is like he's not doing enough to make Gina happy. I think the way I hear this communicated from the Seans we see is I can't do enough. Mm-hmm. There isn't, uh, there aren't enough hours in the day, activities, um, functions I'm, I could perform. I'm doing all that I can and it doesn't seem to be there is n- There could never be an enough. That's sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, and and I think it's it's important to note too that this does feel like a common pattern that we see in uh, all um, well, couples that we see. Of the cycle, yeah. yes, is in every couple. And 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 what I think it's important is for for partners to think about like which which one do I do I feel is similar to me because I, because I think that, um, you know, who the partner is in the relationship that feels this is, it is does, very, and that does know. change. So we sort of used, uh, you know, because we always have to use some case study. So this is the case study word, but you might be the person who stays at home and you might resonate more with Sean. You might yeah, be the and person. It's kind of a heteronormative right. example. Yeah. To, you know, it, it doesn't have to be that, you know, it's, it's certainly not one partner in the couple relationship relationship generally is feeling one of these two ways. Yes. Um, and, and so the, the question is, okay, so in the cycle of not enough, which partner are you? Um, do you tend to resonate more with Gina where she's feeling alone, unloved, empty, mm-hmm. or with Sean who might be feeling alone, unappreciated and defeated? Yeah. So pause, like really check in. Um, which one feels most familiar to you? Yeah. And again, you might feel like a little bit of both. But Absolutely. What, what kind of seems to be the trend of how you end up feeling? You know, I think if Aaron and I are, are honest. I'm you know, Gina. Yeah, I, I definitely feel like Sean. <laughs> I think you um, said. That's the trend. Yes, right. absolutely. Um, so so this, is, this is kind of how the cycle of not enough emerges and a cycle that we feel that we see in a lot of couples um, that we meet with. Um, and you know, we kind of lay things out for like, okay, so how are relationships supposed to work? Um, why don't they work? And then what can be done to fix the the problem or right. what's broken? And so kind of when we think about, all right, well, well, generally how are relationships supposed to work? Uh, and I think that related to this, um, I think relationships, and I think there's research to support it kind of work like this. Someone has a need. They're able to express that need. Someone who is important to them in their in their life relationally is able to respond to that need. And the the ability of that for that need to be responded to allows the individual to feel understood, validated, empathized with, and safe. And to reinforce expressing a need is good. Yeah. It builds trust going, yes. in relationships. So I'm not only not going to be shamed for expressing it, it's they're going to do what they can, not to necessarily just meet all my needs, but at least draw close to me in my right. expression of it right. and respond to it. Right. That we're not talking about. Yeah. Notice that we're not saying that that need is always met. It's much more about the need being expressed and then having the feeling that someone hears it, takes interest in it, tries to understand it. And that that alone, and they might be able to meet it, they might not be able to, um, that alone creates a sense of, okay, I can I can express what's going on for myself and I can trust that other people 
will be there. So the two favorite words I have when we're talking about attachment theory. Yeah. And y'all that's attachment theory. That's a very quick kind of summary of what attachment theory is. And my two favorite words about attachment theory are proximity and responsiveness. We are not saying that my two favorite words about attachment theory are um, getting everything I want Mm -hmm. and I don't even know what else. But yeah, feeling fulfilled all the time. <laughs> yes, but because to have a need means there's something you are feeling. You're not something's not being met. Mm-hmm. Um, but proximity and responsiveness means when I express it, someone's close enough to hear me. They, physically, like physically, they they're they're close enough. They come. They draw near. Yes, they're there. There's a physical proximity mm-hmm. and there's an emotional responsiveness. Again, we're not talking about like your kid says, "I want ice cream," and so you give it to them. We're saying your kid says, I want ice cream. And you say, oh, bud, of course you do. Ice cream's delicious Um, Mm -hmm. or whatever. It's not the point. That, that, That proximity and responsiveness, that's what feels like connection and the expression of a need. Right. And so when, when that's, so that's how they work, that, that's how they work where relationships begin to, you know, quote unquote, not work is when you have had experiences, generally repeated experiences, and generally within your caregiving, you know, right. relationships with, you know, whoever your primary caregivers were, where you had a need, you tried to express it. And the response was not um, one of, you know, physical proximity or emotionally or psychologically um, uh, responding, Responsive. responding to that in a way that felt validating and safe. So what you're saying here is why our couple relationships struggle is we both had childhoods where there were some harms, hurts, or deficits. Yeah. Yeah. We both had childhoods where there were- And by were we both, I mean all the Sean's and Gina's, all the Stevens and yeah, Aries, all the, couple relationships. There were stories of expressing need and that not being responded to in a way that built safety and trust. So then- We'll go to Sean and Gina. They had to do something with that. So Gina, she might have had an experience of expressing a need in her childhood where she felt like, well, maybe the reason it didn't get um, met, I expressed that, but maybe it didn't get met because I didn't. I wasn't enough. I wasn't enough. I, I, I just, if, and if I was enough, if I, if I was smart enough, athletic enough, uh, harder working, kept my room clean, didn't cry, didn't whatever, fill in the blank. And in fact, fill in your blank. What right. was the yeah. the story you had to tell yourself to adapt to this is why I, mm-hmm. I didn't get my need met. Gina walked away thinking I wasn't enough, but I can try to be enough. Right. And, and then, I will. I think and then, to the point of exhaustion. For right. Give, 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 give. Yes. I'm always giving. I'm always giving, but when is someone going to give to me? And when the, will I be enough to make someone just love me? Right. So, so that's a story that that began develop to develop for the Genas of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think a story that might have developed for the Shans of the world is I'm not, I'm not so doing. Jo- Sean's a little kid. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm not doing enough to be accepted, to be loved, to be responded to in a way that feels good. Um, so it's, you know, I didn't make good enough grades. Um, I wasn't a good enough, uh, athlete. I, um, didn't, uh, work hard enough. I didn't get the right degree. I didn't, you know, go to whatever, whatever, whatever it might be. It's always, it's a story of, I could have done more. And I will. 
And I, yes, and I will do more. And that will make me acceptable. That will make me lovable in a sense. Absolutely. And so that is the story that's been developing for Sean and the the Sean's of the world all along. And then Sean and Gina meet each other. Gina's wearing her, Stephen loves to talk about this with the couples we work with about like your perceptual lens. So uh, for a moment, imagine with me, imaginary glasses that both partners are, well, they're not partners yet, but they're about to be, that both Sean and Gina are wearing. Gina's wearing these invisible glasses of maybe Sean, this guy might think I'm enough to want to meet my needs, to love me. Yeah, and and, and it, Sean is wearing invisible glasses that say, "I can do it. I can do enough. Maybe I can love Gina enough to make her love me." And it kind of and it works out. It's you kind know, of Gina, amazing. Gina Might has, even feel like magic. Gina has a need. She expresses it. Sean meets the need, and that happens. And she says, "Thank you." And he's like, "Wait a minute. I did something, and it felt good to her, and that, and it was like a thank you." And right. now, like, and wait, she accepts me, and she loves me, and so you know the. These these kind of needs, these perceptual lenses, like you you look at each other and you say, "This is different. This is going to work out. This is going to be great." And and I, you know, it it does, and, and things work out. You know, they get in a relationship and they get in a committed relationship, and then Sean and Gina have kids or kid or kid, right? Or try to have a kid yeah. or, you know, I mean, because just because you want to have kids doesn't mean that's, you know, something that, that happens for everyone, but, but the, you know, they kind of come into the parenting context and the parenting context is a stressful context. It's not because parenting's bad or kids are bad or anything like that. Parenting's great and kids are great. It's just, it is a stressful context. There, there's, there's a, a massive sense of responsibility and, and newness um, to that context for the couple relationship. And if you think of Sean and Gina, they might be aware enough to know they don't want their kid to feel like they felt. So yeah. they might pour everything. Yeah. And so they're close. They, and they're reading all the books. Proximity, responsiveness, they're, all their energies, all their attentions are, are there, are, are focused on being good parents for their kids. Having a healthy family. And then what begins to happen is the couple relationship experiences some atrophy maybe, or gets put on the back burner in a way to where Sean and Gina have energy and time and space for being parents. Well, even really only some of the time, because none of us are doing that perfectly either, but yeah. But when it comes to their relationship, they're tired. They're limited in their capacity to give to each other, to meet each other's needs. Well, again, if we're talking about those trends, it's been six years. Mm-hmm. And so they don't know this. They feel like yeah. they feel connected enough. They feel as connected as their friends. Yeah, we're doing be. a good job. We're yeah. a team. We're working great we're as doing a this. team, you know, you know, for a parenting team. And, and, that's, and that's enough. And yes. that's what they say. This is enough. But then one day it's not enough. Well, what begins to happen is, so Gina, if you notice, she's giving, giving, giving. And that old perceptual lens comes down. Put those glasses on and it's, when am I going to be enough for someone to give to it's me? It's not someone. My, for Sean. When is Sean going to give to me? Yeah, I see the way he's loving our kids. It's great. I don't want to, I don't not want that for my kids. 
but I also want that. And I, I've postponed this for six plus years now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm ready. I'm ready to feel enough. And in fact, I am tired of feeling not enough. And then Sean, his glasses go on. And what he hears is, you are not doing enough. That old story of no matter what you do, no matter how much you give, no matter how hard you work, it's not going to be enough for you to be acceptable, for, for you to be loved, for Sean for, for me. to feel that yeah. way. Sean's saying for me. Right. Yeah. And, and so if you notice, the, I think the thing that is, that is really important, or at least that we really try to help couples see too, is there are stories that shape your perceptual lenses that have happened before you ever got in a relationship with your partner. And then also the context of parenting, which turns up the stress, begins to shape your perception of what's happening because it can activate those old stories. Well, and we all have capacity until we don't. Right. And so it was fine. I mean, that is, that is what happens. So, so many of the couples we sit in front of, like, nothing's really wrong. You know, we're, we're okay. We love each mm-hmm. other. We both know that. But, like, we just feel pretty disconnected. Or I, I just have begun to really begin to, to feel safe enough to acknowledge lately. Or I'm just too tired not to say it anymore. I'm lonely. Yeah. And, and I love you. And I know you love me. But it doesn't change the fact that I feel intensely alone. Yeah, and so so the so what do you do about that? What do you do about this cycle of not enough that begins to develop between parenting partners? And I think the 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 first thing or the first thing that we um often try to help couples see is like what's the story? So we ask the question at the beginning like so who are you? Um are you a Gina or are you a Sean? But then even going further back, so how did, how did it get to be that you feel like Sean? How did it get to be that you feel like a Gina? What, what is that? Um, what are those stories? So understanding that yes. is, is massively important. Just for yourself. Just for yourself. But then also understanding that your partner has that story too. Has that perceptual lens of whatever their story is. And that's what's hard is sometimes um, being having the capacity to hear your partner's yeah, story. Yeah, because you're both maxed out, you're both tired, you're both stretched thin. But that's kind of the place to begin. <laughs> um, understanding how these stories are coming into your partner relationship, how they're shaping your perceptual lens, and then doing your best, because it's not perfect every time, to say, okay, how can, we, how can we actually see one another more clearly, not through that lens? Because I think what couples- Or even just, I think a first step, honestly, is acknowledging that you are seeing each other through that lens. Yeah, And exactly. there is nothing that feels as reassuring, I think, um, or like a better foundation than hearing your partner say, I can see that. Yeah. I can see how I might be doing that to you. And that's like, okay, it's not just me. Right. I'm not alone in this. Like there is some movement towards that reconnection. Yeah. And then I think the the way that you change those lenses, the way that you're you're able to find some new lenses rather than the old lens that's connected to the old story, is recognizing that, you know what, your partner most likely is 
meeting some. Your, some of your needs. In a way specific to them. Right. It's probably not perfect. It's definitely not perfect. But recognizing how are you as partners meeting one another's needs and acknowledging that. I ha- Exactly. That is such another place of movement. It doesn't because it doesn't always feel like being loved in the way you're wanting, but telling your partner they aren't loving you is very confusing. But I, but I do love you, and I yeah, or I'm like doing all of these. You're things. not moving towards me. You don't. You don't make any effort. Like, well, I am making effort. So trying to shift and acknowledge ways they are making the effort, even if it's not landing, it's that intent and impact. But validating there is intention towards connection and movement goes a really long way again of, okay, so I am, you do see I'm making these efforts, but it's not landing. Okay, well, what would? That- and, th- and that is, that right there is the shift. Because if you notice, that is part of healthy relationship, expressing a need and then having a partner come and move say- Move towards you, proximity. M- move towards you and then say, what would help meet this need? Responsiveness. And that's all you're trying to do. You're, you're trying to create that interactional <laughs> pattern rather than living out of the old, like bringing that old interactional pattern into your partner relationship. So two things. One, you just said that's all you're trying to do. And I think for anyone listening, it's <laughs> like, well, that's just like saying all you're trying to do is build an entire city. No big deal. Sure. It is It is a lot of work, but I think the important thing to, to note, this is not a one-time conversation that takes right. 15 minutes and is fixed. It's not. But real shifts towards healing do happen every time you have this conversation, if you can both try to hear each other, because it's like moving a ship. You know, it's a small, small course correction that changes a course. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think it's that practice. It is practice. That's right. Of not allowing the old stories and the old lenses to inform your present moment. Because when you can shift to a new story and a new lens, that is how you shift what the future story will be. So when we when we work with couples, one of my favorite interactions is often the second session. Mm-hmm. Um, because the first session we we maybe did some of this work. In fact, we probably did. This is sort of the how we how we work with couples. But um they come back and say, one, not everything's different. Our entire universe has shifted. We built our city this week. But what they do say is we had several or even one. We had one conversation this week where one of us noticed like we're doing that old thing. Like, can we not? Can we like, can we try? And then, and then it was heard or felt or experienced. And there was pause to that old story. And that is the practice where that does shift forever. Right. Because what, what has happened is in the old stories. With the old lens, the expectation is that needs will not be met. You won't feel safe and you can't trust. That Gina feels, I'm never going to be enough to feel loved. And that Sean feels, there is not enough to do to ever feel like I've done enough to be loved. And in this shifting of the interactional pattern, what you're 
what you're seeking to do is shift to a new story and to a new lens that, that begins to expect to feel safe and to feel that you can trust your partner. And it's, and it's that practice of noting the old interactional pattern and then making the effort to shift to the new interactional pattern. And it does take practice. I, it, it does. And it's, again, it's not a one and done, tie it in a bow. Oh, great. Now we're solved. But it is moving towards healing. Yeah. And, and it looks like, again. And that's what healthy relationship is. It, it, They're not perfect. Ex- exactly. And, it, and it, again, it looks like not looking at your partner through that old story, that old perceptual lens, but saying, wait a second, we do care about each other. We do want to meet one another's needs. I can, I can make the effort to communicate those needs. and My partner can hear and trust. Well, they you know, can make that, the effort back right, to it, communicate their needs because it, exactly. everybody's got them. Right. And, and, knowing, and knowing that that will be kind of awkward and that will be a little bumpy and that will be, you know, it won't go perfect every time. But, but it, is that, it is that practice, that effort of, of doing that, of shifting out of those old places and shifting into the new places that helps couples begin to realize, oh, this is different. Oh, this is what it feels like to have needs and to feel proximity and responsiveness. Oh, you are safe. Oh, I can trust you. Oh, we have a different kind of relationship than what I expected. Absolutely. T- two things that we hear um, is we're, it's been too long for us. We can't have that come. Or we've tried and it's too long. I don't. I think there's always hope. I do. Mm-hmm. If, if both partners are willing, there is hope. And if you happen to be the couple that isn't six years into this old pattern of mismeeting of those old perceptual lenses, start these conversations now. You don't have to wait till you're six years or more practiced in disconnection and mismeeting. Yeah, yeah. The I mean, the again, these are things that can shift, right? Um, and they can shift quickly towards a more healthy pattern. Um, and it takes practice, maybe it takes guidance, uh, but I do think that um, these are things that are possible for partners and you do not have to be uh, stuck in that cycle of not enough. Do you and your partner feel like you're stuck in the cycle of not enough? Our Creature Couple Story Course is a helpful tool for shifting you and your partner out of this old, unhealthy pattern of communication and into a new, healthier pattern of safety and trust. You can find the course on our website, createyourcouplestory.com, or go to our store page in our LinkedIn bio on Instagram at Couples Counseling for Parents. Also, this week, February 15th through 20th, couples that purchase the course can get 25% off by using the code FEBRUARY25. So go to createyourcouplestory.com or our LinkedIn bio at couples.counseling.for.parents to enroll in the course today and use the code February. 25 to get 25% off. Today's show was produced by Stephen and Aaron Mitchell. If you're enjoying the podcast, please be sure to subscribe to the show and leave a rating. This will help others find our content more readily. And as always, we're grateful for you listening. Thanks so much for being with us here today on Couples Counseling for Parents. And remember, working on a healthy couple relationship is good parenting.